Money News Podcast. This is Andrew. Awesome episode here. I want you to check it out. It's with Scott Yancey, a good friend of mine uh, from the TV show called Flipping Vegas. And uh, he shot this. He was he was on a TV show called A&E. We shot this in Malibu, California. I actually went to the, stayed the night with him. Super, super gracious host. And we spent a long time talking about real estate, investing, and how he used real estate to help create wealth. He's in all kinds of different businesses right now, but his original vehicle was real estate. I want you to check this podcast out called Money Is Podcast, Built for More, with Scott Yancey from A&E's Flipping Vegas TV show. It's his language. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but uh, this is uh, my lesson in never take no for an answer. Keep asking people until you get a yes, and then you get to enjoy it. We're always uncomfortable to do something that is different, even if it's something really great for us. And for me, uh, you know, and, and like a lot of people, I mean, buying your first home, um, asking someone to marry you, those are, those are really important things that we all know uh, often we want to do. Check this out. If you want a place like this, you got to get... God, it's Drew. We're here to shoot the interview, brother. Come on. Scott. Andrew. How's it going? Very good, man. Look at this. Yeah, welcome to good Zuma to Farms. Yeah, you call too, All man. of this Zuma Farms. Yeah, well, let me give you a little tour. Wow. We'll start with the uh, horses, huh? I've got some uh, treats out here for you. You uh, okay with horses? Yes. All right. That looks like it's having fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're playing around. So right here we have uh, Jackass and Willie Nelson, but they're out running around the arena. We'll get to them in a minute. This is uh, Johnny Cash. This is Amy's uh, Missouri uh, Fox Trotter. Keep your hand flat. Called, called Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. All oh, right, come on. Right now it's kind of hard to, uh, come on, pal. How's it going? This is my Frisian, Tima. He's such a good boy. Here's a treat for you. Now These you are like the uh, horses that they use this uh, breed in the Game of Thrones. How tall is that horse? Now this, on, one is, this is Luke. Yeah, that's Amy's. Uh, he's a Frisian as well. So, so you flew both these over from Holland. Yeah, this one and this one. Yeah, those two are from Holland, and they uh, are trained in dressage. This is <laughs> Willie Nelson. Um, I got Willie Nelson for uh, a Christmas present for Amy, okay. but uh, it was Dolly Parton, and I had her all with a bow and all that, and I snuck her into the yard with a big bow and ribbon around her. Oh, there they come. And uh, my guy uh, told me that Dolly Parton's a dude, so we renamed <laughs> her Willie Nelson. This is Jackass. He is uh, just... This the this coolest. is a this is that's a mini horse. That's a mini Shetland pony. Okay. And Jackass is a mini donkey. Mini donkey. And this is my three-year-old Tennessee Walker Midnight. Every farm needs a tractor, and uh, of course, me being a, a car fan, uh, I had to have a Porsche tractor. Wow. So this thing is a diesel. It's a 1962 Porsche made tractors before he ever made cars. He was in tractor business before cars. Yeah, he actually started racing as a hobby and he found that there wasn't a car out there that was light and handled and was as fast as he wanted. So he made his own race car and that's where Porsche came from. But if you look at the, the block lettering here, it's the same as what you see on every Porsche today. But I start this thing right up, I drive it all around. It's wow. actually uh, amazing. Fully functional, fully working. Oh yeah, totally, yeah. Tractor. We can hook the Airstream on this and take it down on the beach, pull up on the sand and 
we have our uh, beach bar. Wow. <laughs> a Porsche so, tractor. Pretty cool, huh? One of the things that I'm trying to accomplish with money is, is just having people have authentic conversations about it. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you see people with money, you see people without money. And I think a lot of times when you see the people without money, I always compare money to uh, like a language, like a foreign language. And you have to understand the nuances of that language and how to speak the language for starters. And, and until you understand how to communicate in that certain language, it'd be like if me and you, you know, uh, you were speaking in Chinese and I'm speaking in English and we're trying to have this interview, well, it's not gonna work. And I think there's a, there's a language almost barrier there when it comes to money with people not understanding money. Um, and I think one of the things I'm trying to accomplish is how do we help people better understand money? And for so long, it's been a taboo subject, basically, um, where we don't ever talk about it in public. I've noticed that wealthy people, when they're around wealthy people, talk more about it. Meaning, it's sure. more of a, they're not in, they're not uh, they're not turned off by it. For sure. If you if you were like, yeah, I just. Uh, Bought this apartment building, yeah, da, da da da. I'd be like, what'd you have to pay for right. it? How'd How you much buy do you it? have where'd to you put into it? Where'd you finance what'd it? What'd you put down? Yeah, yeah you know, like, da, da, da. those are normal conversations yeah. that me and you would have, right. and we wouldn't even think twice about it. It was like, oh yeah, well, you know, why did you buy the house, and what was the ARV on it, and what was the spread, and what interest rate did you get? It's normal yeah. conversation. But if my painter was here, yes. he wouldn't be like, wow, that's a, that's a, I, I like the house. How much did you pay for right. it? What'd you get per unit on, those, on an apartment <laughs> complex? Yeah. There has to be that conversation where if we want this gap to ever put, uh, uh, and I'm a 100% capitalist, okay? Uh, I'm not a socialist by any stretch of any imagination. Um, but I do believe what you're talking about with what I call capitalism with a cause, meaning you have to pay it forward. You have to earn it and then do good with it like you're doing now. But how do you, how do you, how do you why do you think that money is this taboo subject right now? How we grew up, or yeah, I mean, I think your your parents obviously, or your you know your uh, people you grew up around obviously uh, influence you from a young age. Right. But I, I don't know. I always kind of I get. I think I was raised that it's just not polite right. uh, to talk about money or ask how much something costs or something like that. And today, I know just because you know. I, I'm around a lot of places. I talk to a lot of people. I know there's a lot of people financially that are really hurting. There's people that are in such different situations. Some people, you know, are worried about losing their home. Some people are worried that they have lunch money for their kids. So uh, I just think it's kind of like religion, for example. I, you know, people feel strongly about something but someone else might not believe in that. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just think it's one of those things. Yeah, sure, in a business context, right. you and I will talk about deals mm -hmm. as you do with your business people. But I, I just think, like religion, people are very, have very strong feelings or an upbringing that they are now this way. And you don't want to offend someone that is very passionate or has strong beliefs in theirs if it's different. And I just think people, financially, people are different. I think we most likely tend to hang out with people that are more like us, Right. Um, hopefully. Um, I think with money, there's the conversation that says that, there's a phrase that says, birds of a feather flock together. Okay. And I think it's never more true when I, when I see it with money. Wealthy people tend to hang out with wealthy people and Poor people tend to be surrounded by poor people. It's in middle class to middle class, and so forth, and so on. It seems like you're, you're, not not, and 100% you can change it, but it seems like so much of who you surround yourself with, who you surround yourself by, affects a lot of your knowledge or IQ on money. Mm -hmm. And the higher that IQ is on money, the more that you can go and do deals. When you were talking about when you were with your. Um, mentor that helped you the land deals you are increasing your financial IQ of learning the lot the city versus the county and your your constant study of that topic of land development was increasing that level of money IQ and then when it came time to put that to work you were able to go out and make money and make money and make money but you invested heavily in your financial IQ or your money IQ to make that make those deals come to pass. But that's an education. Yes, yes. It, everything comes down to 
your education, surrounding yourself by people that are doing what you want to do and learning. They obviously are successful. You need to do what they're doing. You guys ready? Yep, yep. let's go inside. Right. Let me take you inside the living room here. So here's Flip. So this is an old uh, horse stable originally. The okay. front of the house, big, long, and narrow. And then uh, since the wow. 1949, 1950, it's uh, obviously transitioned. This right here is one of my favorites. It's uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. And it's untitled, but it's obviously a self-portrait if yeah. you know Basquiat. You can see With his the hair. hair the way it is. He was born in 1960. I love it because you can see the the paint kind of made the paper kind of wave oh, yeah. like that, and it just kind of has has a little bit of character to it. There was a guy that collected every single one of the 30 uh, different soup flavors: tomato soup, yeah, chicken yeah. noodle, yeah. And he he just sold all 30, one of each flavor, for 15 million bucks of this. He had collected all 30, he had he, a full he, collection. Yeah, over time he collected all 30 and he just wow. sold the whole collection for 15 million. Here we've got, uh, this is uh, Banksy, Bomb Girl. That's kind of a fun one. Um, but art is, uh, you know, what you love, right? right. I, I keep saying that. Um, this right here, Amy took that with her iPhone. This is a selfie of Amy and Flip on the beach and the wow. wind was blowing. So she just did it in black and white and we blew it up. That's wow. art. Hey guys, this is Andrew and I'm here on Money Is and our new interview is with Scott Yancey. And uh, Scott was uh, uh, started in real estate, came from real estate. We're gonna dive into it here in just a little bit. Uh, but also eventually, as many of you know him, uh, was on A&E's number one hit daytime TV show for four years in a row. Uh, was A&E's number one hit TV show called Flipping Vegas. Yes. Now right now, we're not in Vegas. Right now we're at his, uh, your farmhouse you'd call it? That's my you... hobby farm in hobby Malibu. Hobby farm in Malibu. That'd be nice, right? In fact, and, uh, uh, I apologize if you hear some chickens yeah. or roosters or no. my horses making a little noise. <laughs> They're all back a, here. That's and, part um, of the farm life. We're gonna show it to you. Uh, we're gonna do a walk around a little bit later. We've got chickens running around. I see them over there. Yep. And there's pigs running around. Bacon bits, our mini pig and Lucy are And over uh, there. all kinds of cool stuff. So we're gonna give, give you a tour as well, sort of behind the scenes. This is actually your, what'd you call this room right here? This is my barn. It's okay. uh, my home office. Um, but uh, you know, every guy needs kind of a dog house. Yep. So I, uh, I made my dog house really comfortable. <laughs> I have a you know, full bathroom, yeah. bar, a bed, laundry room, uh, full kitchen. TVs. Yeah, and, surround uh, sound theater. Yeah, yeah, why not? So this is the dog house, and the actual main house is over there, which we'll show you guys a little bit later. But uh, we're sitting in his dog house of the <laughs> hobby farm right now. And uh, I want to dive into it, Scott, and let's talk about, uh, I want everybody, even those who don't know you, if they haven't seen your hundreds of episodes you have on TV, just talk a little bit about, let's start back from the beginning. Uh, first of all, tell me where you grew up at. Where, where, what state, where did you grow up at? I actually grew up about 45 minutes from here. Uh, okay. Studio City, California. Um, okay. An area where there are a lot of wealthy people. And um, my family wasn't, but we had lots of love. So I, I never felt like I went without anything. Mm -hmm. um, my mom and, and my parents were divorced when I was eight. Um, it, actually, when I was about eight years old, we couldn't afford to keep our house that my mom and dad and all of us lived in. And uh, we moved in with my grandparents. Um, okay. When you were my, eight years old? Yeah, and I love my grandparents. Uh, they were my favorite people. They're not around wow. anymore. But um, yeah, so I definitely didn't grow up wealthy, but, but had a great family, no complaints there. Uh, fast forward, um, went off to college and um, realized that I still was uh, kind of poor. Okay. And I needed did you, to get. Did you see it at college? Did, did you, at college, did you begin to see the difference of, wait, I don't have as much money as other people around me? It, did it hit you at college, or was it after college, or just the bills that were coming in? Or was it friends that you were seeing? Like, you I know, remember seeing friends at college, like, wait a second, I don't have that kind of car. No, uh, you're definitely right. I mean, my best friend, uh, actually, his family, that, that we went off to college together. My, my best friend, uh, we went to Cub Scouts together, okay. and, and we became really good friends in high school. We went off to college together, my buddy Danny, and I mean, their family, they're actually billionaires. So, Great, perfect. Um, <laughs> I definitely grew up around wealthy people. Um, but uh, yeah, we had a great friendship and it, it never really mattered. But I definitely noticed they took some really amazing uh, vacations and they had Ferraris and Rolls Royces and, and we didn't. But. <laughs> so this was, you go to college, what college did you attend? Uh, th I started like six different colleges. <laughs> I never finished. Okay, 
So you go to a handful of different colleges here, you didn't graduate. And that's because I had to work. I didn't have the money. All right, I was gonna and ask I'm you so that. OCD and ADD and can't sit still. For me to sit there and listen to somebody, I mean, economics was probably my favorite class, yeah. but I couldn't get more than a C plus. And in fact, my, my professor, I remember uh, Dr. Fletcher, he'd be like, you know, no one in this room is into this and knows as much and is like listening and hang on every word I say than you. But you like get C's on every test. <laughs> and I'm just like, I hate taking tests. Yeah. <laughs> but I was really into it. I just, I wasn't it. a great student. I was yeah. like a, a C plus student and I just never even finished. But I also was so tired from having to work on the side. And we're, we're talk about, uh, uh, let's talk about when you, when you dropped out, you were already working a job. And that was just yeah. to pay bills, basically. Yeah, I, okay. I needed uh, I needed to up my game from eating at Taco Bell value meals every single day and yep. eating crazy bread at Little Caesars kind of gets old. <laughs> and uh, plus, I want to take girls out. It'd be nice to take them out somewhere a little nicer than Taco the Bell. I, I I took several girls to Little Caesars. I remember those days in college. I mean, the crazy bread. I mean, I I love some crazy. crazy bread right, right now. now. It's good uh, stuff. But when you, you want to eat it as an option, not because it's sixty nine <laughs> cents. Now you you get a job. Where do you get your Where are you working at? Yeah, so I'm 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 in college and I needed a part-time job, so I uh, ended up getting a job for a really successful real estate investor developer. He okay. also was an attorney, and I got a job as a runner. He told me two things when he hired me. The first thing he said is, "You're going to be my runner. You're going to make seven bucks an hour." And I'm like, "Oh, that's exciting, I guess." Okay. Uh, sounds like I'm a slave. Uh, <laughs> and then he says, but the good news is the last three people that had your job, with what they learned from me, they all went on to be multimillionaires. It's up to you if you're going to be number four. Huh? Well, number Are you four. number four? There number you go. Four. Number four. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, now, now back up. So you get this job, which I think is unique. Did you did you know that you wanted to do real estate, or is it at the time just a job? The only the only real estate background I had was. Three things. One is my best friend Danny, his family was really wealthy from real estate. So I knew real estate was a good thing. Okay. My grandfather was a pretty successful real estate agent. I mean, he had a limousine and would take his clients around. So I did see like, wow, real estate is pretty good. Uh, it, it, it really can give you a nice life. And I did have one, one little uh, experience. Um, when I was 14 years old, I was involved in a car crash. Okay. And I got a small insurance settlement. And I actually went to my, my buddy Danny's family. Wow. And I said, hey, I've got this money. It was like 30 grand. And I go, how should I invest it? I want to invest it in real estate like you guys. And they said, well, we think you should buy a second trust deed. So I actually bought a second trust deed on a house in Studio City no that made 14-something percent interest. So at that age, I realized, wow, this is pretty cool. So I'm 14 years old, uh, you know, or 18, whatever, you know, as I went through, and I realized that in real estate, your money works for you. You get a check every month without doing anything. Right. So that was kind of, I had this like subliminal background. So for me, it kind of worked out cool to get a job for, as a runner, for a guy that was a, a really successful real estate guy because I already knew a little bit about it, but I really didn't think real estate was gonna be for me. I didn't. I went to college because everyone was going to college sure. and they said you couldn't be successful in life if you didn't have a college degree. I had no clue what I wanted to do, I just knew Gotta go to college. Yeah, we're all pumped the same thing for yeah. years that we have to go we're to college. We're just zombies, you know? And we all follow the same path. Yeah. And it's unique, uh, it's unique how, it's like my family didn't know your family, it's like our parents ever talked to each other, but it's amazing, and I see all the time talking to different people, especially on the topic of money, how we were all told for the same things, Yeah. yet none of us actually knew each other, but we were all told to do the exact same stuff, you yeah. know what I mean? Like everybody can finish the statement, money doesn't grow on, trees, right? Sure. Like everybody grew, grew up hearing that, you know? And everybody heard, go to college, get good grades, yeah. get a job. Okay, so you get this job, um, $7 an hour. For those that don't know what a runner is, uh, give me a quick idea what I a runner is. I was an errand boy. Okay, an errand boy. Yes. Just a, a fancy word yeah. uh, for errand boy. But yeah, but but I will say one thing. Um, I had uh, an amazing boss. Now okay. now um, I was actually with him yesterday. Okay. Actually, we still, uh, still are in stuff day. together. Um, Every day I wake up and I can I cannot have some quote of Walt in my wow. mind like an offer a day, an offer a day. You write an offer a day. I remember Walt talked to me uh, some time ago and he's like, "How many offers do you write today?" And I said, "I'm over 350 this week." Yeah. He's like, "All right, you listened." <laughs> but but I will say one one thing that was really cool 
uh, about him is, yes, I was his errand boy, but Saturday morning, he uh, would say, Scott, what are you doing? You know, and it's like eight in the morning, and it's yeah. like, I guess I'm going to r drive around with you. And he, he always had Porsches, and, and maybe he's the reason why I'm such why a Porsche you addict. Porsche, yeah. But um, he'd say, you drive. And we would go look at land deals on Saturday and look at deals. So he, he wanted me to be more than a runner, and he wanted to share and help me grow. And, and before I knew it, I wasn't just a runner. Yeah, sure, I'm, I'm running to get him his sandwich in. I'm running to the bank, to the title company to pick up a closing package and running to his bank and putting a big fat check on his <laughs> uh, uh, deposit slip and I'm depositing it in his bank account. But I actually started learning how to do deals and uh, from, from our drives and so on. And, and he also taught me something, you know, you can go to all the seminars you want, you can read all the books you want, you can ask all the questions you want, but one of the most valuable things is just get out there and do it. So and, and he just, he, he had an apartment building. He's like, hey, convert that to uh, condos. You need to get them individually metered, da, 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 da. So I just went out there and he'd give me little tips and I'd figure it out and, and I learned by doing, but I yeah. also had a mentor. He wasn't just a boss, he was a mentor. He'd give me enough of the things that I needed to sort of keep you on direct track. me, yeah, and and but you learn by doing. So go back to your early twenties. Yeah. You're gonna leave. You, you're you're working for him. What's your next move? You know, I uh, I realized, wow, I need to like settle down, and uh, it's time to like maybe focus on getting married or something. Okay. And uh, I had met a girl some some time ago, and I actually had a photo I had taken with her like 12 years before, and I thought I, everybody who knew me they knew like. Like, ah, Scott will never get married until it's a girl like uh, Amy he has in that photo. And uh, I, I, They would say that about you, like yeah, Amy in that photo. Everybody knew. I'd always say, yeah. like, I called her my dream girl. I'm like, oh, I would never marry her, but a girl like her would be my goal. You know, she's fun, she's cute, she works hard, she rides dirt bikes and Harleys, and she's just... Outgoing. Horses, and, yeah. you know, she's just everything a guy would want to have, like, a best friend and backup to go ride dirt bikes or razors or, right. or whatever, but also, you know, she's hot and fun and all those other things. So I always kind of, she was the bar. I, I never thought I'd get that. The bar. But I thought if I aim for the, the, the moon, I'll land here, you know, <laughs> or the stars. So um, I end up uh, calling her out of the blue and I'm like, wow, uh, you know, we kind of had a little, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Are you still single? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it was something like that. And, and I'm like, what kind of guy are you looking for? Why aren't you married yet? And, and she told me and, and she's, you know, we asked that question back and forth. Well, what kind of person are you looking for? What kind of person are you looking for? And we kind of named each other and I was living in Park City, Utah at the time. And I said, uh, well, Thanksgiving's coming up in a few days. Uh, why don't I fly you out? Let's, let's, let's hang out. And uh, from there, you know, the, the rest is history. Wow. But, um, I, I realized though, if, if Amy and I were to go on and get married, I really needed to do something about my income. I had to stop and, and look at my situation and say, you know, I learned how to do real estate from someone really successful and I learned how to do it the right way. But the problem is I need to take that information and it's time for me to go out and do it on my own. So meeting Amy kind of motivated me to take that uncomfortable step of my comfort zone I was in to, and I'm not saying I wasn't at that point doing pretty good, but I definitely, you know, should have been putting a bigger portion of the checks in my own bank account, so. I think it's a big point you make there because uh, so many times uh, uh, people, um, they get comfortable. Yeah. And you were not at seven dollars an hour no more. You were making good, decent money, good but money. But you're, you're always afraid to do something different, even if you know yeah. it's the best thing for you to do. There's that, there's that, there's that fear that, that keeps stepping off the edge. You that know? keeps pushing you back and yeah. keeps pushing you back. In your situation, uh, a lot of times I talk about uh, understanding your why. Meaning, why yeah. you got to understand your why to make that step. If you don't understand the why, you'll never make that actual step. And it right. sounds like to me, what you're saying is your why was Amy. Once you started dating, yeah. you knew that you had to do something because the job that you had was I not wanted gonna... a life with her. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And that's what drove you and gave you that final, yeah. final push. There goes the pig. Final <laughs> push of uh, motivation yeah. to go walk that step. Oh, okay, sure. so um, now you're with Amy at that point and uh, your first deal, let's talk about your first deal you ever do. Yeah, so I'm dating Amy and uh, and really she was she was really helpful and motivational. A Amy kind of, I say it a lot of times, she's she's often the brains and, <laughs> and I'm the, the, the grunt. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she uh, she definitely supported me in, 
uh, going out on my own. So basically what I did is I took out all my credit cards and I figured out I can live uh, X amount of months on my Visa, my MasterCard, and this one here I can cash advance to pay the minimums on these. And I figured I had about $30,000, oh $50,000 worth. And what I would do though, and this was a good plan though, I figured I will do exactly what I was doing for my boss that brought him success in real estate, doing it for him. I'm gonna do that for us the same strategies, the same way I was doing it. So, and I figured if I do that, with my track record I had for these things brought me success in real estate, if I just duplicate them for me, I will have success. So I went out on my own and I'll tell you what, I couldn't find a deal to save my life all of a sudden. <laughs> I remember um, I was in Fresno, California and yeah. I, I would go out on the road nine days staying in like $69 motels and then I go home for three days. Go out on the road. Where were you living? Still Park City. I was in Las Vegas at that time. You're, the, you're in yeah. Las Vegas, and you were traveling looking for yeah, deals. Yeah. Okay. I All would right. drive to uh, Central California. I was focusing between uh, Bakersfield and Sacramento, looking for land deals. Okay. And um, I, I remember I was in a hotel in in Fresno, and I was just so worn out. I I kind of like wanted to get sick because I just needed to rest. I mean, yeah, just I just down. felt so guilty because I'm living on credit cards, so I would be out the door at like six something in the morning and I wouldn't come back to my hotel until it was after dark at nine something at night. I'd fill up my gas tank like two times a day, which made me sick because I'm putting that on my credit card. Yeah. And I just felt so guilty that I didn't have time to eat. I would grab an apple off the hotel desk or the motel desk yep, yep. and that was my meal like almost all day because I felt like I don't deserve to take a lunch break because I've got to find and often we punish ourselves which we're hard yeah. we're harder on ourselves than we shouldn't have been maybe it worked for me I don't know but I wanted to get sick and I I actually your mind controls everything so and true. I wanted to get sick and what do you know I now have the flu I'm literally laying on the floor of a $69 a night hotel. Now that's disgusting. Hotel. Yeah. And I was crying. I was crying. I was sick. I was alone and I was embarrassed to call uh, Amy. Amy was not there. She no, was, She was no. back home. Come on, and, she's not going to do that. <laughs> and uh, uh, so you're in the hotel. Just catch the audience up. About what age were you at this time? Um, 20s, upper 20s. Uh, late 20s now. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. So you're, you're and, now, and I made myself get sick. I'm laying on the floor, grungy floor. position. Crying. Yeah, crying. Just, you know, now I'm sick because I just needed a break because if I could get sick, I could just lay in bed and sleep for one day. And I remember I, I did that and then I started to feel better at that night and I went to a movie by myself, which to me that seems totally weird. Totally but I, weird. I went to a movie by myself. I wish it was some great movie and I could even remember like it was Rudy, you know, <laughs> playing football for you. the Irish or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went to a movie. Uh, I actually got a, I just totally got my mind off of everything. Woke up in the morning and I just hit it. And I hit it so hard that day and and I always feel like just push a little harder and that's the deal that you're gonna find so I remember it was like it was like eight o'clock at night and I looked at the clock and I'm like there's that one farmer that I want to talk to if I can go about 75 80 miles an hour on the five traffic's already down I can catch that one farmer before it's too dark wow. and I knock on his door and that was the first deal in this assemblage of 12 different properties that I got all under contract. I later assigned my contracts. I flipped with it, without any money. I assigned the contracts on this land deal I assembled and netted $2.3 million. Shut the front door. Yeah, yeah. Looking back at your career here, obviously super successful inside of real estate, rentals, houses, land development, fix and flips, assignments, thousands of deals. If, if we were talking to someone right now uh, that has never done a deal before, uh, starting off, scared, maybe don't have money, what, what would you tell that person starting off right now? From, I mean, just like one? in any business, you need to know what you're doing. Uh, okay. You need to um, find someone who's, ex you need to find someone who is successful at what you want to do. Key point, successful. Yes. Right. There's plenty of people that uh, teach and can't do. Yep. Um, but finding someone who's successful because, uh, for example, if you are a doctor and you have some savings and you want to jump into the real estate market because you see all these TV shows and all the money they make, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to lose your ass. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is you need to know what you're doing. You need to be educated in what you're about to do. Um, you also need money, but you don't have to have money yourself. 
And that's something that I actually teach and help people do today uh, is I teach people you don't have to have money to be successful in real estate. I didn't and often I have other people come in and put up the money or I take on partners because it's fun to share the risk and it's fun to do more deals that way. Hey, Flip. Speaking so, of the farm. Yeah, so when you're on a farm, you this have uh, dogs around. Uh, that's yeah, actually these, uh, Flip. These are your two dogs. Yes, come here, right? Zuma. Flip and Zuma. Flip, this is, come here, buddy. You call it Zuma Farm. Yes, so that's Flip, uh, one of Flip, my Rhodesian Flip. Ridgebacks. Of course, I have a dog named Flip, right? Right, and this is Zuma right yes, here, right? Yes, because we're at Zuma Beach. And uh, you, you have, uh, you've had these Ridgebacks, not these Ridgebacks, yeah. but you've been a Ridgeback I've had a Ridgeback since will. I've been six years old. I'm this on number is, five and six. This is number five and six yeah. of your Ridgebacks. And you got two Ridgebacks here, both beautiful dogs. Thanks. Uh, oh, we have a whole lot more than dogs on our farm, but that's another uh, conversation. I'll take you on a tour none later. None of this was planned. They just sort of walked up for whatever reason, and uh, now they're here. All right, so you would tell the person getting started, uh, connect with someone successful. Correct. I think that's a big part because I, I, I always tell people um, it's amazing it, when it comes to money and this whole con concept of money is, but broke people get advice from other broke people mm -hmm. and then wonder why they're broke. It's like you can't get financial advice from someone who doesn't have money. Yeah. But it happens, all, majority of people are getting advice from someone who doesn't have money, they have a theory of money, they think this is how it works, but if you sat down and say, well, show me your bank account to prove it to me, yeah. most of the time they're getting advice from broke people, which is why they stay broke. I think it's one of the things in real estate. You have people that want to give advice in real estate, but they don't have the pedigree yeah. that you have inside of it. Uh, so I think that's a key point to bring up there is find someone that's successful in what you're doing. You want to be in it outside of investing. You want to be a successful doctor? Well, follow a successful doctor and understand what made him successful. Or and go to and, a successful medical school. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and I think it, to me, it's a common point. But I don't think for everybody it's a common point. But I real estate really is, though, one of the greatest ways to create wealth yeah. if you don't have a real estate license, if you don't have a college degree, if you know nothing about it, the, the risk, if you, do, if you know right. what you're doing, right. that's the whole key. If you do it the right way, there is very minimal risk. You get to have somebody work for you, like a real estate agent, yep. that you don't have to pay yep. until you find a deal that actually works Closes. and the seller that you're buying the property from actually pays them. Yep. So you can go out and find a property, then you get typically a due diligence period or uh, a 30 days, let's say, to now evaluate the property now that you have it under contract and you control it to do your due diligence. Um, okay, is there mold? Is it's you know best, is the zoning it. right? Uh, are there permits on all the structures? Is there you know what's going on? You can evaluate it. You can bring contractors in to look at and do inspections, which uh, you know bring a contractor in to give you bids on doing repairs. That doesn't cost you anything. So real estate is something that you know I, I heard 70% of Americans don't love what they do. They don't even like their job. So to me, I think real estate is, is so amazing for everybody because it's also a means to an end. You eventually will be able to retire and, and have income coming in without working, yep. doing the things that you love with your time. But you can actually be one of the 70% that don't love your job or scratching their head thinking, how will I ever retire? Or man, I wish I had a little more income or I could help my kids or pay off my house or this or that. You can get into real estate on the side of that job you don't like. And with very little risk, if you know what you're doing, you can become a real estate investor on the side. You can do as I did, starting without any money, um, putting some deals under contract, adding value to them, or even just knowing how to negotiate a deal better than someone else, put it under contract, and flip the contract, wholesale the contract, assign the contract, whatever you wanna call it, and All now you have some capital coming in, and or you have, you're growing some capital, now you can go and start buying rental properties. Before you know it, you're able to realize, wow, I have three or four rentals down, I can quit this job I don't like because I don't even consider this a job and right. I love doing this. I can drop my kid off at school, I can coach his team on the weekends, I can take three day weekends and go camping or whatever somebody wants to do. As a real estate uh, investor, you have, uh, I mean, if you were to ask me like, describe your life in one word as a real estate investor, I mean, my word would be freedom. Mm -hmm. As a real estate investor, 
you have freedom and, and you control your own time. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, so I got on a runaway there, but I get passionate about get, it yeah, because yeah, there's so many people that want to they, do something different. And I'm just like, man, real estate is the greatest way for someone. If you don't have money, if you don't have a lot of time, if you know what you're doing, you can do it slowly yep. with low risk and totally change your life. A couple points that I would just make is number one, I think you hit key points here. Number one, you do not, you did not say no risk. You said low risk. Sure. Because I think in investing, sometimes people, newbies that are getting started, uh, are trying to put together some deal or make some investment, and in their head, there's no risk whatsoever. And they only want to do it if they're not going to lose. And that's that's not reality. But the risk can be so low. It's so it's small. It's like $500 earnest money deposit you put down on a house. Or maybe you get uh, a wealthy relative or a friend to put the $500 down and you tell them if this deal happens, I'm giving you a thousand back in 90 days. How, you know, who's not going to do that? In fact, call me, I'll do that all day long. <laughs> or sometimes I tell them it's not even sometimes money because it's so small, right? Yeah. Sometimes I, I have buddies of mine that do these deals, assignment contracts, and they'll put literally a dollar down. Yeah. It, it's just $10 down just to secure it, make it sure. a legal binding contract. So, sometimes the risk is just the risk of time. Yeah. And that's what you're risking. Okay, look, if the deal falls apart and it never happened and it, at closing, you lost your $10 earnest money, You're risking if you will. the 30 days that you yes. have for free without any risk. Yes. Before that $500 or $10 deposit even goes non-refundable, yep, you're risking 30 days of your time, of time to evaluate if this is a good deal, if you can add value where you want to, or if you can find a buyer to wholesale this contract to. And if not, then you walk away. Yep, walk away from and it. And you lost time, like you say. It's a risk of time, and, and again, go back to, to be clear, this is all if it's structured right. If you know what you're doing. If, if you know, know the right doing. property to Correct. get. Correct, right. And, and put a the, 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 I think that's a piece that they miss at. It, as long as it's structured right, done right, and you know what you're doing, it, it, all day long. That happens all over America, and yeah. all the states that are taking place, and all the major cities, the transactions that you're talking about take place all the time yeah. for those that know what they're doing. But on the same hand, there's those that don't know what they're doing, try that and lose a ton of money. Yeah. And and this, and to me, it's always, I think you're just making a good point, man. You're gonna pay for, uh, and you did, and, and, and I think it's so important to make, you're gonna pay for your training, your education, mm -hmm. for investing, or for whatever else you want, be, be a doctor, to be an attorney, they're, they're, you're gonna pay for it. And I think so many people in real estate have this idea that they're gonna get out of Paying for it in their brain, they think, "Well, I, I, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to uh, uh, have a mentor. I can go around it by just by going out and doing it." I'm not saying you, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. Sure, I'm just saying that that people person, have luck. People go to Vegas and put a hundred dollars down on a roulette table, and sometimes yeah, they uh, win. They right? win. There's stories uh, about it, but but uh, <laughs> that's not the. That's I, the I norm. don't choose to gamble. I I choose to make I choose to uh, make calculated risks. Yeah, and and. Uh, um, yeah, so there's that thing of, of trying to go around it. And I think it's a mistake that people make because everybody pays for their education one way or the other. Everybody pays for their learning experience because you have to learn. So it's a matter of, I always look at it in my life and said, because I paid for it, and I paid for it similar to how you paid for it. Either I'm either have to go do deals, mess up on them, and run into a brick wall and trial and error, or I'm gonna have to connect with somebody and, and pay, pay for it. And I was making, in 2000, uh, nine, when the market crashed, I had to go learn some stuff that I did not that that I didn't learn, and I went and worked for a guy for ten dollars an hour, and it was like a huge pay cut for me. But he owned a ton of houses, and in that year time frame, I was able to learn so much more in that one year. But I didn't make a lot of money. I was like ten dollars an hour in two thousand nine. Um, but look at people that today go to college and spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on an education to look forward to 80 hours a week at a desk as an attorney yeah. or uh, as a doctor and make a couple hundred grand yeah. a year, maybe a few hundred grand a year, and look at what you can do in real estate. Yeah, you do the same thing. <laughs> when you went and worked for the, your, the land developer at $7 an hour, it was almost, lame, you know, use, a, use the word, although it wasn't, but it's almost like an internship. You're almost paying, yeah. you're paying for your education at that moment in time instead of getting a, a scholarship or a, taking a loan out from a bank to go pay for your college education, you were paying for it through working Bottom as a runner. Bottom line is, to be successful at something, you need to find someone successful doing what you want to do, and basically 
do what they're doing. Copy it. And what I did as a runner is I started as a runner and he put me kind of out there to start doing deals. Now I'm doing deals and I just went and did for myself what I was doing for him and boom, there you go. <laughs> uh, I don't have to reinvent the wheel, none of us do. Nope. I heard a great quote that uh, in corporate world they have a thing called R&D, which stands for research and development, right? And corporate America will spend millions and millions of dollars. And, and I heard a story with Starbucks, how much they spent on coffee, espresso machines, on research and development. But, but in entrepreneur world, there's a thing called R&D, but we don't call it research and development. We call it rip off and duplicate, meaning find someone successful and just copy what they're doing. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just Follow the, follow the wheel that's rolling down the hill, basically. And I look at it even easier. I mean, to me, I, I love real estate because the ant, it, it's really pretty easy. What do people want? They want this, okay, that's what I'm going to go find what they want because I know there will be buyers. How yep. hard was that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was pretty easy. Like, if people want three bedroom, two baths in this area, you know, that's where you see all the dumpsters, that's where you see all the new homes going, that's where you see the new lawn and the new fancy trim in Lance, you know, whatever. That's where, that's going. where I'm gonna go. I'm just yep. gonna buy the one next door. I'm gonna buy the one across the street. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to figure it out. So this right here is Zuma Creek, and um, it actually uh, flows from the mountains down and dumps out on the beach right down there. So, so does water n normally flow through here? It's seasonal. It's seasonal. You know, big rainstorms, and that's why uh, about 50 years ago this bridge was built uh, to uh, be able to uh, go across it. Here's our airstream. Uh, airstreams are kind of fun because uh, it's well, it's uh, our yard bar. It's a restroom. It's a great spot to meditate, come out and take a nap, listen to the ocean at night. So when the weather's nice, uh, my routine is I'll make my coffee. I'll sit right here. And the weather's nice most days of the year in Malibu. In Malibu, right? And I'll just sit here and I'll meditate for about 15 minutes and then Amy and I'll make a little snack and go do some exercise. You've talked to billionaires. You've yeah. sat down with billionaires, yeah. multi, multi, multi-millionaires. Uh, so you're gonna give so a couple points that you've noticed in yeah. your conversations uh, that successful people have done that are sort of common, denom common denominators. But also, exactly, that's 100% true. Okay. But I will say one thing, part of my series, Successful Conversations, is money is not necessarily happiness. Right. And I also interview my friend Ryan Sawtell, who is the founder and runs a 100% nonprofit group called Whiteheart, where 100% of the money benefits veterans. He is not a millionaire. No. He may be soon with other things he's doing, but today he's not a millionaire. He chooses happiness and making a positive impact on veterans' lives right now. So when I choose people to interview for successful conversations, they may not be a millionaire or a billionaire, but they may be very successful, in my opinion, because I get to pick them, uh, in the world yeah. by what they're doing and their happiness level. All but right. let me tell you give me, four give, give things, us a couple things. Three or four things. Okay. And, and if any of us watching or, or listening to this aren't doing these four things, then maybe you ought to scratch your head and get your shit together and think, hmm, maybe I ought to add this into my lifestyle. Should I not be where I want to be today because these people are doing these, these are, habits and they're all doing they it. are having success and or happiness in their lives. Okay, okay, first thing, not one of them sleeps in past 6.30 in the morning. 6.30. Some of my guys that I'm interviewing, and, and ladies as well, uh, they wake up at 4.15 in the morning, but not one of them sleeps past 6.30 in the morning. Uh, what about weekends? I don't know weekends. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm just okay. trying, this is like gold that you're giving away okay. right now, right? So right. I'm gonna try to dig and clarify. So out of all the people you've interviewed of major success, and like you said, success is not always money, but I know Correct. you have interviewed some very, very wealthy people. Not one of them sleeps past 6.30 in the morning. Not one of them. Okay. During the week. Some of them wake up at 4.15. 4.15. Their day starts at 4.15. Yes. And that's the billionaire, of course. Of course it is. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping yeah. the billionaire would be at least at 6.30. Right. The billionaire is at 4.15, yep. wakes up. Okay. Um, I would say nine out of 10 meditate in some way in the morning and work out. 
physically do a workout. So they have a routine, because I've been noticing that, the routine yep. stuff is very, you're diving a little bit into it now, so all nine out of 10 of them, you'd say, yeah. have some sort of meditation. 100% either meditate and or Okay, 100% will do either meditation all of them work out. or workout. But nine out of 10, it seems like, do some kind of prayer meditation. Interesting. Okay. All maybe different beliefs or whatever, yeah, but they do some sort different. of meditation, yep. that inner peace that they get to. They relax their mind because you know we all wake up in a way like with anxiety about all the things we have to do and you got to get going and mm -hmm. you have coffee and that even jacks you up even more and you get going but the first thing you need to do in a way is meditate it works for me personally is to just start off your day meditating like you you maybe wake up in the middle of the night we all kind of have a lot of stress and things you know going on that are exciting right. or bad or whatever and you wake up in the morning meditate it, it, to me, it, I look at it like I wake up in the morning and I'm looking through a forest. I can't see the other side. I'm just like, oh man, I got this. This is coming at me at nine o'clock. I have this, I have this, and I got to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it all. Da, 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 da. And if I meditate, I now have a different view. I now have the Google Earth view. I see these trees, but oh my gosh, they're like a hundred yards a piece. So I see this aerial view. I'm here getting out of bed and here's the end of the day. It's actually, oh, this is great. I'm just gonna go by here and do this. I'm gonna make a call on the way to here and I'm gonna, oh yeah, you know what? I need to make a note, I need to do this. So to me, meditating makes my head, at least for me, <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, I see that forest. I can barely see daylight or the sun through mm -hmm. the thick bush uh, trees and I can't even see the other side. But if I meditate, now I have that Google aerial map view and I see, oh, this is the trail basically. My head is clear <clears throat> walk to start. Through. Just so I know, just ballpark, you don't mind sharing. TM, <laughs> Transcendental Meditation. What's it oh, called? You were gonna ask. Oh, no, T I, TM is the, the, is the what, system I like to use. It's called TM, I was TM. not gonna ask you that, but thank you for sharing. <laughs> uh, so actually, uh, said again, what's it called? Trans Transcendental Meditation. Transcendental I Meditation. Might, I always get the name wrong, but okay. I nickname it TM. TM, so okay, for meditation. I was gonna ask you, about how long do you meditate in the morning? You know. You, you personally. I'm so crazy ADD yeah. that It'll be five to 15 minutes. Okay. Have you found any difference with those guys? Is it an hour? I mean, one time I heard Tony Robbins is like a hour of power or something like that, wow. or that's a long time, but but have you found anything with those guys that they do as I, far as uh, time-wise? Yeah, some some guys meditate 20 minutes, half hour. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, so you have uh, let's so You're investing in yourself to start your day so you have a good day. You know, just like you would have technology, you'd have You'd have your calendar, you can see everything. So it's not overwhelming, you're gonna forget what you have. You're, <clears throat> you're organizing your head, your thoughts. So you have, uh, number one, you said that... Um, Which is basically no thoughts in a way. Right, meditation You're organizing no your thoughts by the goal of almost no thoughts. Right. Um, so you said four points here. You, I think you've hit three of them. The one that we didn't talk about you did hit was uh, some sort of workout. Yes. Some sort of exercise. And yeah. we talked about this earlier. It doesn't mean it has to be a gym that they're going to or a treadmill but they're doing some sort of activity in the exactly. morning. Is it always in the morning, have you found? Yes, always it's, in the morning. Always in the morning because it releases the endorphins and clears the brain up yeah. as well. Interesting, all right, what's the last point? Nobody watches the news so far I've ever interviewed. Not one person watches the news. I'm not saying in, uh, C, uh, you know, Fox News, CNN, I'm not even going Oh, most watch this news. I mean, it would be Fox News if they did. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, not one bit of news. A couple read the Wall Street Journal, and that's really just for the stock and financial. Okay, so, are, and are you saying for clarity, are you saying they don't watch the news any time during the day, or are you saying just in the morning? Not at all. They just don't watch it? No. And the reason I, why I is the same thing that why I don't watch it, and probably you don't watch. It is constant negativity and why do you want to start your day off yeah. with this? Like, think about just my simple routine. I wake up, I make my coffee, I sit there, or I sit here, I meditate, get in that good good zone. I go and exercise, paddleboard, come back and have, yeah, hike, mountain bike, paddleboard, come back, put good clean fuel in our body. I spend time with Amy, uh, take a shower, and I'm at my desk by 10 o'clock. Why would I want to? put on the news at any point during that. Yeah. And I can tell you 100% of the time, if I ever break that rule, I have a shitty day. 
No. A shitty day, seriously. I, if I, I don't do my routine. I used to watch news every single day. And it was just almost like what was always on. Yeah. I Meaning if I just sat down and I was gonna watch, work on some emails and have the TV on, yeah. I'd turn the news on. Yep. And then I started watching, and I used to watch it at nighttime. I'd find myself at nighttime before bed. I'd, okay, let me catch up with what the day was happening. I'd turn the news on. And man, it, it got to the point where it was so, I just felt weighted and weighted. And like it, all this negative stuff. And I just one day said, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. I'm not gonna watch it anymore. Same here. And I just stopped watching it. And I, I was religiously watching it. Like hours, it would be on in a day at least. Yeah. And, uh, I did the same thing, like in my barn yeah. there. I put a TV in and I would just have it playing real low. And then X amount of years, I just muted it. Yeah. And then I'm just like, I just don't even, I already know what it is. It's bashing this. This one hates this, this side. This one hates yeah. this side. And, and, and also just having some experience in, uh, you know, TV and so on. Mm -hmm. I, I have a pretty good indication of what is sensationalism yeah. and what is reality. <laughs> and what is real and 99% of it is just bullshit and it does not add any value to my life it doesn't 99% of it doesn't change my financial strategies it doesn't change my investing strategies um, I've even the got financial part of it sure I, I, I do diversify I'm in stocks and metals and I'm in a lot of different things but I, you know, get very little news if it's not just related to things I want to be educated, doing due diligence on this product or stock or something like that. I even got to the point where on my Facebook account, because I was in so news so deep that, um, you know, I was posting stuff all the time, but then I had a bunch of friends on both sides that were posting stuff. And uh, I just started, They, every, I still see it. And so they'll post something and, and I just unfollow them. Yeah. Because they're now now I don't watch the news, but I'm on, I'm on on the airplane. I'll get on Facebook, see what's going on, or Instagram, yeah. and I see these posts about different stuff, and then I'll read the comments, and then I find myself upset and mad and at whatever's going on, and I'm like, why why am I upset about this? And I just muted them and turned them off, and I can't tell you how much peace yeah. is given me through the process. So you found four four things, or, or are there more than four things? Oh, there's a there's a, a lot ton more. more. Okay, okay. This is my shameless plug. Okay, I welcome so you're gonna people us... to go to scottyancy.com. Is that where they would go? Yeah, go to my website, scottyancy.com, and you can click on Successful Conversations, top okay. right. You can watch some mini clips, you can watch full episodes. In fact, one of my favorite uh, people I've interviewed, well, I can't say a favorite, because they've all <laughs> been really fun. Now, this is not art. Okay. But I got it something for you because I, I tried it. I, I talked to some people, asked them what your one thing that you love was, and I got this right here. Okay? But if it sucks, do you think I could resell it on eBay? Oh, for sure you okay, can. Good. I had this overnighted right, in. Right. Wow, right there. You maniac! Thank you. I figure with all your horses, you could put it out there, maybe at your barn. I went to or... the Kentucky Derby uh, two years ago. Did you really? I did. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Money is freedom. And I think you're, I think you're meaning that right there, off of. Everything that, you, everything that you have here. It's freedom. money is freedom. All right, let's take a photo shot right here. Hold that yeah. sign. So I fix the app on the top? Or that's mm, that's right. You should see some other handwriting. Here. I uh, saw Architectural Digest magazine and uh, it had Mike D of the Beastie Boys Malibu home on right. the cover. So I opened it up and I saw in his living room, he had this badass, angry, great white shark and then it had beautiful butterflies over it. <laughs> and I Googled that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that would be so sick to have that uh, at my house in Malibu, you know, and put it in the guest room, especially guests come and they're kind of like, I kind of want to go to the beach, but I'm kind of thinking, kinda don't I'm want not to. so sure. 